Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. So um, I've had a bit of a crazy week. Um, crazy, but not that crazy, but I don't like change. I've self-diagnosed autism. I have self-diagnosed OCD, self-diagnosed dyslexic hands. It's not been invented yet, but it will be at some point. Um, self, a lot of things self-diagnosed. Um, but I, I've got that because we've got lots of exciting things happening, but I don't like change. Does anyone like that? So you, the things that are happening are better than what I've currently got, but I don't like change, and so I don't want it sometimes. I'll fight it. So like I've got you know, opportunities in my career to, to get better, you know, to better myself. That should be good, but it's like... It's a bit awkward. Um, we started doing some more work on a Sunday morning, which sounds great, and then you have to do it. <laughs> you know, uh, this week, the big news, uh, my wife, Valerie, she went for a, um, a hospital visit, so we're now expecting another third one. Come on, on the, uh, the 25th of December, which was really well planned. Really well planned. But I've already got it. Like, I like to plan things in advance, those that know when I said this morning. So, you know, when the son or daughter turns up when they're like 15 and they say, listen, did you have to? Why couldn't you plan it any better than like Christmas time? Come on. I'll just sit them down and say, listen, when a man loves a woman, the way that I love your mum. <laughs> Shall we go on? And hopefully that'll be enough. But here's the thing, right? I've got real passion uh, in recent years about this, about trying to define the norm in my life, what I call the norm, and then trying to break through from it a little bit. Because um, I, I grew up thinking that I was normal, and it's not that I wasn't normal, but, but some of the stuff wasn't quite normal. Let me, let me tell you why. I grew up in a very middle-class family, so my mum was a nurse and my dad was a teacher. It's like, you know, and we, we, uh, they owned their own house with a mortgage, obviously, and it had a backyard, and we had a car, and uh, both sort of very central when it comes to kind of politics, you know, one slightly left, one slightly right, but they're thereabouts. Um, but I was thinking about this like about a year ago, and I, rem- I remembered of this um, thing that happened. Like, so I used to play a lot of table tennis, again, very middle of the road. Um, and, but what, I, what I, you might not know is the table tennis place that I used to play, it was like an award-winning club within Nottingham, which was a, a big place, but it was right bang in the middle of the red light district. And so like, I remember as a 15-year-old, you used to regularly just walk, you'd walk to prostitutes to go and play table tennis. That was just normal. But one time I, I went, and I, got, I was getting the bus home. It'd be about 10 o'clock at night. I was waiting at the bus stop. This is like pre-smartphones, and the bus was taking sort of 10, 15 minutes. And I was thinking, I'm sure it should be due by now. And this prostitute from across the road starts shouting at me, um, not aggressively, just trying to shout. And I'm like getting a bit embarrassed, going, not, not interested. <laughs> not in- like, they didn't normally bother me. As a 15-year-old like, lad, I wasn't really the target market. Just being honest, if you wanted to have sex as a 15-year-old in Nottingham, it was quite easy. Um, uh, so, so we, we just didn't get it and she started shouting these things and I'm thinking oh this is just getting embarrassed and I'm there going I'm not interested I'm not interested and then she came over to my or, or stumbled over to my side of the road and you know this is not Julie Robertson pretty woman this is real life prostitution you know where she's well she was definitely a heroin addict you could see she's obviously on something else as well she's got makeup that you can't tell whether it's run because it's just she's been crying or because it's just put on badly because you know like that's how she was shaking so much. And she said, no, 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 the, the, the hostage situation is still going on. And I went, all oh, right. Because I knew, you see, that half a mile down the road, there was a hostage situation. So this bloke, to prove, he'd been accused of some crime. I don't even know what it was. But to prove he was innocent, he took a random family at gunpoint and held them hostage for nearly two days. I don't know how that proves his innocence, but I never really, I never really got to interview him. Um, and so he was there. And so, uh, and so she said, oh, I said, oh, so the buses won't be running. She went, yeah, exactly. 
And then she'd like kind of stumbled off to the side of the road. Uh, a, a car picked her up and I was left there and I went, oh, okay, I'm going to have to just walk into town. So I walked about 40 minutes into town, genuinely just walking past, going, oh yeah, there's the hostage situation, like lots of armed police everywhere and things like that. Walked straight into town, got a different bus home, um, which dropped me off at the bottom of a big hill, so maybe about an hour and a half late getting home. And I went home and my dad said, um, oh, you're a little bit late, it'd be about like half 11 at night or something. And I said, yeah, that hostage situation's still going on. But anyway, prostitute tipped me off about it and so we're all good. I went, oh, fair enough, are you going to bed? And then I said, yeah, I'm knackered. <laughs> and it was only last year, genuinely, when I, I, I was sat down and I thought, that wasn't normal, was it? <laughs> but it was when you're living in it, right? And so uh, um, it was when you're living in it. And so at the moment, we've often, a lot of us, we've got an idea of what we think church looks like. Whether you've br uh, been brought up in church, whether you're new to church, whatever it is, we've got an idea, a vision of what church looks like and what people that go to church look like. And what I love about Dave and Shelley, our senior leaders, is they're just trying to smash through that norm. They're saying that this is what people think, but no, we're, we're great, you crack on that, we're going this way. And so we've been going on the last couple of weeks just looking at some of the, the values that some churches hold, or not necessarily values, but some of the, the cultural pieces that they have that we just want to break through as global. Because it's not that we're immune to them, we're not perfect, but at least we're heading in some direction. And so the first week, this was two weeks ago, we talked to uh, cultivating communities, so building church, how it takes honesty. Um, and therefore conflict sometimes. You see, in a, in a typical church, and I'm not belittling other churches, but in a lot of churches, we do anything to keep the peace. It becomes like a fake peace, and so relationships become shallow. And so we don't want that. We want the opposite. We want to break through that norm. Another norm we want to break through is um, point number two, cultivating community takes humility. See, humility is something we really admire in others, but we barely practice ourselves. Ever thought about that? And so we want to break through that. The third thing we looked at last week is we want to um, build in community, sorry, cultivating community takes courtesy. You see, most people think that courtesy is being respectful and we think that like you're respectful if you're okay with people of like different nationalities or people of different sexualities. Um, but Jesus goes so much further. He says, I want you to love everyone. Like your enemies, your neighbors, absolutely everyone. Just love them. And it's like, wow. And the reason for doing all of this, when we spoke on, we ended this last week, we said this in, in, in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul says this, he said, I've become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And so we talk a lot in this church about we want people to belong before they believe, right? Which is an awesome thing. So if you're not a Christian and you don't quite, oh, you, you're on a journey, we want you to belong, that's awesome. But can I just say this, we need to build a church that people want to belong to before they believe. Not that they're welcome to, but they actually want to. And there's a big difference. And so the, the whole setup of this church is, is made for the unbelievers. So if you sat here and, and, and you believe it's like, great, we want good things for you, but really we're not that interested in you. Because <laughs> you're, in, you're in the boat, you're good, you're safe. You know, the, the best way I can sort of get my head around it myself is, you, say you were going sailing with your kids, so I've got two kids. If I was going sailing with my kids and one of them fell out to sea, and one of the other one fell out to sea, the other one came up to me and said, uh, Daddy, can you help me with my maths homework? I began, well, maths is important, I want to help you, but at the moment, your brother's drowning. <laughs> bit of perspective here. And so it's not that the maths is not important, but your brother's just a little bit more important at this moment in time. And that's how we work. It's not that we don't want, we want people to have strong marriages. We want people to have awesome lives. Dave wants everyone to be gazillionaires. I mean, like, we want everything for you. We want this big life, but our, our heart is for them that don't know Jesus yet which is the same, same as Jesus, funnily enough. So we're in good company. Um, so today, anyway, I want to talk through, it's the final week, 
But it's this lot, number four. Cultivating community then takes confidentiality. And by confidentiality, really, I just mean gossip. We don't like the word gossip, but that's what we're talking about. We're talking about gossip. Um, only because we don't like to think of ourselves as gossipers. We just like to think of ourselves as, you know, it's not a nice word. It's not got nice connotations. But I think most of us are. See, um, I, I needed some time off work recently for an appointment. It was actually uh, Valerie's first scan. First one, because we thought she was 12, which was only 10. It's like, come on, hurry up. But, um, and so I had to get some time off work. And so I, um, you have to fill in a little bit of like a little paper form. I think probably a lot get these in big businesses to say why you need enough time off work. So I wrote on the form, um, my girlfriend has a hospital appointment and I have a vested interest to be there. <laughs> I'd only put that because they all know I'm married. I just thought I'd start a rumor. Still waiting for it to, you know what I mean? I've never corrected anyone since. <laughs> but here's the thing, right? We like, it's easy to laugh at gossip and we make light of it and things like that. And there's gossip magazines and things like that. But real life gossip isn't much fun. This is what Proverbs say in the Bible. It says, a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. You see, we talk about wanting to be real and we want it to be relational, but people aren't going to be relational when there's gossips about. Just, you know, we want to confront people and we want to do it well. But if someone's then going to tell the whole church you knew, we're not going to be able to do it. It's going to be difficult. And here's the thing. We might, think we've got, we don't, might not think there were much of a gossip, but see if you recognize yourselves in any of these. Who's ever gone up to someone and say, I've got something to tell you, but don't tell anyone else. It's like, well, you've just told that person. So that person might just tell someone else and say, it's just for you, but no one else. Right? Who's ever done Otherwise, sometimes in Christian circles, you often hear this. We need to pray for someone. Oh, why? Well, I'll tell you, but just for prayer. Just for prayer reasons, you can know this. Um, or if not, I've heard it before, people say, you know, like, you need to know about the, what's going on in their lives from a team point of view. You know, like, if they're not that good at turning up on team and stuff like that, here's the reason. I'll tell you, right? Or we, we say things like, you know, I've got a, a friend. He'll remain nameless. I mean, like, he's six foot eight. He's got two kids and one on the way, but he will remain nameless. <laughs> and he's struggling. <laughs> or sometimes we do this, like, someone tells you something, um, but they don't, because they don't say the words, it's a secret, we presume it's okay to tell everyone, right? And sometimes we just need a little bit of wisdom to say, do you know what? They didn't say the words, it's a secret, or don't tell anyone, but just don't tell anyone, right? A little bit of wisdom. That verse again, Proverbs 11 says, a gossip betrays confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. You know, the general rule for this, I always think, is like, what's, we only want to speak stuff out that's going to be helpful. If we're going to be speaking about other people, it wants to be for a reason to help them, to build them up. Prov- uh, sorry, Ephesians 4 says this, Don't let any foul words come out of your mouth. Only say what is helpful when it is needed for building up the community so that it benefits those who hear what you say. So here's a thought. When you're saying something, is it, is it helpful or is it a hindrance? See, sometimes we think we're going to try and mask it as in like it's helpful, like, you know, for prayer reasons. But it's not really. It's because we'd like to just share a little bit of gossip or whatever it is. See, Jesus is our example. And those of you that are new to church, that might not be a surprise. Those of you that are in church, it shouldn't be. Um, but I loved it. He, he, he didn't use gossip. He used like kind of parables, like fictional tales. And it dawned on me this week, right, that he never used real life people in those tales. Like he could have given examples of real life people. Let me give you an example. This is one of his famous parables that you might have read even as a, as a kid. It's the wise and foolish builders. From Matthew 7, it says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, this is Jesus speaking, and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat again against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. 
But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. See, he's making an awesome point, but he's not making anyone the butt of the joke. He's probably got someone in mind even, but he's just not name-checking them. And, and he's got wisdom to do that, which most of us, or at least myself, don't have that. Because this is what I would say if I was Jesus. This is what I would call it. I would call it the logical one, like me, and the idiot builder, like my mate Gary. <laughs> See, the thing is, everyone that listens, that actually listens to what I'm banging on about and does something about it is a sound bloke. Like the sort of man that would build his house on solid foundations, not like my mate Gary. <laughs> then when the issues in life hit you, you'd be in a good place. Your house wouldn't move. Even if someone from the other side of town came and gave it a big push just to annoy you, it wouldn't move. But everyone who hears what I'm saying and does not listen properly is an idiot, like my mate Gary, always Mrs. Anne. He's a sort of daft lad who would try and build a house on the top of a sandpit or in a swamp or something. He is stupid. Honestly, then when the storms hit, he'd be sat there under his umbrella wondering where his house had gone. Honestly, people like that are just dumb. Don't be like Gary. Be like me. And I, we're laughing, but that's how we speak. Do you know, like, I'm just going to give you an example of how not to live your life. From some, never from your own life, though, from someone else's. You know, like, and we're speaking badly of others. Like, if you want to make a mockery of yourself, grand, go for it. Within context, I mean, there's wisdom in there. <laughs> but let's not pull others down. You know, Proverbs 11 says this. It says, whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. And, um, you know, we, I want to just uh, encourage us all to speak well of other people and to, to not belittle people's names. I don't know if anyone ever had a, uh, did everyone have a, a kid at school who used to always blame on when um, it was a name we used to give to like dinner ladies or people that didn't know us that well at school whenever you got caught in trouble for something. We used to give this false name. It was always Paul Anderson. It was a natural kid. He just never used to get in much trouble. And so like usually like you could hear some dinner ladies at the end of lunch like, oh, there's a few fights today. Did you get the names? And the first one were coming, yeah, yeah, Paul Anderson. I'm going to go and tell the head of year. And the other one was like, who did you get? Paul Anderson. <laughs> oh, what was the name? That, oh, no, mine was Paul Anderson. And they'll go, oh, wait, yours, Paul Anderson. Everyone gave the same name with the same kid so they didn't get found out. But I'm thinking, come on, what about Paul? Paul, Paul. <laughs> so we've got to protect people's names. A few years ago, um, I... I, I <laughs> I was challenged, I was confronted, point number one, they were ahead of the game, they were years ahead of the game on this one, uh, by, by, by someone in our church, and they were right to do so, and because I was posting some awesome jokes, very, very high quality jokes on the internet, <laughs> which offended some people, and I don't blame them, right, and um, he, he, he took me to one side, and he said, listen, you point these jokes out, and like, they're quite good, but some people are taking the wrong message from them, and it's just not giving out a good vibe, you, you really ought to start, you know, just, just leave them alone now, and leave them, and I remember thinking like, well, yeah, but I'd try to justify everything. Yeah, but that joke's not offensive because of this and that. And you're going, I know you don't mean badly, but, but, but people are getting the wrong idea about it, so I just think you ought to take them down, which is fine. But then after that, I had a big cult following, obviously. And so people used to say, like, where's your jokes gone? Where's your jokes gone? And it was really hard to say, well, spoil sport over there is not letting me put them on anymore. Or, like, come around when no one else is watching, you know. But, and I can't remember how I did it, and I'm not pretending I, I, I handled it well, but I remember thinking, I've got to speak one of that person still. I don't want anyone else knowing that conversation that took place, because they had my best interests at heart. But here's another thing, right? Let's speak well of, I'm joking, but um, let's speak well of preachers as well, of, of people in the church. So like, you know, I've done this before as well. You bring uh, a friend to church and you go, I hope it's one of these three preachers that's on today and not one of those two, because <laughs> they're my favorite and they're not. 
or, or, or I think they would click. You get, you're justified, don't you? I think they would click with that person. Or I hope it's that person on lead through, or I hope it's so-and-so doing the cakes today because they do awesome cakes, or somebody on the back desk or whatever. It's like, just speak well of people. But final thought on this little gossip bit, because I think gossip is pretty, uh, what's the word? It's pretty obvious. Like I don't have to, it's like humility. I don't have to convince any of you that it's a good thing to do. None of you are going, you're going, hmm, I'll see about that. Right? We're all on board with this, I would like to think anyway, whether we've been coming to church a long time or not. But um, let me just think this. As well as speaking well of others, let's just be careful about how much, um, how much you disclose to people, especially in your dinner parties. You know, like, our, we're a, a movement and not a monument here in Global Church. And so in 12 months' time, your dinner party shouldn't look like it looks now. And so we only share with people on the, on, on the big stage of what is dinner party within the other 10 people, things that you're happy for them to take to another dinner party. And hopefully not gossip with, but who knows, you know? Who knows? You see, Jesus, he, he sort of got this. He had like 72. He had a big gang of 72 people, but within which he had like 12 people that he was really close with that he'd open up with a bit more. And within that, he had three people that he'd really tell his sort of inmost sort of secrets to. And within that, he had one person that was like his best mate. And we sometimes just need a little bit of wisdom to do the same. But anyway, that's gossip. Final one. We're on the home straight. Come on. At the end of three weeks. Cultivating community then takes frequency. Takes frequency. And we've had this key verse for quite a few weeks. In fact, Dave brought it even before I was here, but from uh, Hebrews 10, which is, let us not give up the habit of meeting together. Instead, let us encourage one another. I want to just talk to two types of people here, because in this group, in this room, we've, we've not that we can all fit neatly into two categories, and I know you'd hate that as 21st century Brits to be, to be you know, put into a category. But there's a lot of us here that do meet uh, quite frequently in church, if not every day, every other day, on average, maybe. Um, I want to speak to you, but also I want to speak to people that maybe just come on Sundays. And so let me just start with those that just come here for maybe a Sundays or dinner parties or just sporadically. So hear me right, there's no condemnation in this, but come more often because we miss you and, and because you're missing out as well. You know, I'm always worried in general about people that, um, that sort of just live in caves. I mean, actually, people that live in caves do worry me. But, but, but just even the metaphorical sense of the cave, you know, like if you keep yourself to yourself all the time, whether you're in church or not, you worry me because we need each other. We were made for relationships. We were made to, to hang out. You know, Jesus, the, I love how the fact that when he was on earth, he got a gang around him. He wanted to be part of a gang, a gang of mates. That's all they were. And so we need, to, we need each other. Rick Warren from Saddleback Church says this. He says, community is built not on convenience, like we'll get together when I feel like it, but on the conviction that I need it for spiritual health. If you want to cultivate real friendships, it will mean meeting together even when you don't feel like it because you believe it's important. The first Christians met together every day. Fellowship requires an investment of time. It's just like, yep. See, in Acts, uh, Acts 2, most, a lot of you will know this, the early church, after Jesus had died, his gang, his group still met regularly. And it says this about them. It says, they worshipped together regularly at the temple each day. They met in small groups and homes for communion and shared their meals with great joy and thankfulness. And they, they did this, I'm sure, because they just needed, like, spurring each other on. They needed each other. And they recognized that they needed each other. In, in Proverbs 27, it says this, is iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And so I get that, like, God can, uh, not God can, God does work wonders in your life, but sometimes we need a community to, to help bring you through a little bit. And um, I was just like trying to make a little list of, of things that global, the 
people in global, not just, not just God, not just the Bible, and not just, which is all awesome, but actually just the people in world global. What have they done since we've been here? We came here in October or November 2010. So it's a long time. But here's what's improved a lot, right? Our relationship with Jesus has improved since coming there. My wife barely believed when she came. And now we're, uh, we're, you know, she's a little bit more. But no, she leads the worship, and a lot of you know her anyway, and she's, she's doing good. We're taking on more um, leadership responsibilities in Acom, in Acom Church, and it's going well. Our understanding of church has improved since coming to Global. Um, knowing what great restaurants are out there in York and which to avoid. Really, really good thing, but we've learned that since coming to Global. You know, the first conversation I ever had with anyone was with Stevie, and we spoke about olives. That was my first week, and I remember thinking, here's a man that doesn't know my name or where I come from and all the other boring things that you're supposed to ask someone, but we've bonded over olives. <laughs> That's awesome. He's also the only person I know that we can have a genuine conversation about balsamic vinegar <laughs> that lasts more than a couple of minutes, and we're both real come out of it going like, oh, that felt good. <laughs> um, it, more things. People have helped me overcome difficult moments when, in life when things were going wrong. Um, our finances and our understanding of prosperity, we're in a better place now than we were before. My health, our spiritual and physical health is in a better place, although I have been putting on weight recently. But I, I actually um, went on a, a little run today. I've, I've tried a new thing. Uh, a friend at work has invented this new concept. You can have it all for free. Look, it's called the Jurassic Run. Right? He says, when you haven't got long, just go on the Jurassic Run. I said, what do you mean? He says, well, you pick, pick a point in the distance... Right? It was like 400 meters away. I'm thinking 100 meters away would be fine. And he said, and you've got to imagine that you've been chased by a dinosaur. <laughs> and the point in the distance is the helicopter. <laughs> and you've got to run together to try and get into the helicopter before the dinosaur gets you. He says, do that twice a day. It worked wonders. I tried it early on. Honestly, after like, you know, 120 meters, I thought, dinosaur can just have me. <laughs> but generally speaking, global's been good for me. Uh, it's been good for bringing up our kids. It's been good with building projects. And when I say building projects, so I don't mean that as a metaphor. I just mean building projects. <laughs> uh, and so much more, like we're in a completely different place having joined the community of Global than we would have been had we not. Like completely different. We're loads more confident, we're loads more happy, we're achieving so much more. Um, and it was the same for everyone else. You know, we could get up, people after person could just give testimony after testimony of what this church has done for them. Not just that it's not been God and it's all been church, hear me right, but just people in church, what they've done for them. It's just been good. And so um, we want these for you. We want it for you. Um, and for those of us that you know as well that, that are new to global church, like it's, here's one thing to get used to a little bit. When we say like meet regularly and things like that, there are no kind of like what we call ministries or um, programs. So some churches, and it's not that it's wrong, but some churches will have like the 18 to 30s club. And they'll have like the mums and toddlers groups and things like that. We just have friends. <laughs> so if you're wondering what goes on at Global Church, make friends. And then you'll find out. And because there are the mums and toddlers group, but they're just called friends that meet with mums with toddlers. And there are the 18 to 30s. It's just called Spurry Get Church to an extent. <laughs> Some of us have taken over. But, um, and, you know, for those of us that like, are wondering, man, I, I mean, I meet Sundays, I meet Thursdays. I don't know about meeting other times. Can I just say on behalf of Sam and Vic, I'm sure they're fine with this, like permission granted to meet outside of a Sunday, right? Permission granted. Is that, Sam's given us a nod, like we're okay with that. And can I also encourage you as well, just to host people, like learn to host people in your, in your houses. Um, you know, we, uh, we used to have a tiny, tiny little house, which was, well, it was small. I mean, you could, we could host four people 
not even comfortably, but just four people in the, in the house. It was a tiny little thing. And I remember once we, we invited um, a few friends around, Dave and Lorna and Joe and Bo, and they would have had three kids between them, I think, at the time. This was a few years ago. And I remember praying, God, I really need sunshine because then we can have a, we've got a little courtyard in the back and we can open that up. Because if not, the kids are going to have to go upstairs and eat sandwiches in our bed. <laughs> Because there is no space downstairs. And it's not even an exaggeration. They would have, like, we had a picnic blanket ready as if it hadn't. If, uh, luckily, the, the weather was okay. But, like, here's the thing. Just, just don't use the size of your house as, an op, as, a, as, a, as a, what's the word? A, a restriction, thank you, as a blockage for hosting people. You know, like, we often think, man, if I had, like, a house like Anna and Andy, those that know they've got a nice house, you know, then I'd start to host. But let me tell you, Anna and Handy, they used to live in a smaller house and they had loads of parties and they had loads of hosting. And before then, they lived in a little flat, a bit bigger than ours, but not much more. And guess what they used to do? Host loads of people. You know, it's a heart thing. And so, um, you know, if you can't cook, just learn to cook one thing. That's it. And then just invite people, loads of people around and keep having that one thing. And then treat yourself to a second dish six months down the line. Um, here's another question, like, how relaxed are people in your home? Because that shows if you're a good host or not, right? If people are relaxed. We used to have a neighbor, some of you know him, he used to live a few doors down from us, and um, he used to just pop around all the time for a cup of tea and things like that. And I uh, remember once he knocked on a Saturday morning, knocked on, and he said, oh, I've just been to the shop, bought some bacon and eggs, do you fancy some? I said, that sounds beautiful. He said, great, I'll go and get my fine plan because I don't like yours. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, you're coming around here? He went, yeah, yeah, of course. I went, oh, grand, I'll go and grab a shower then, and I'll leave the door open. <laughs> But that should be normal for us. That should be how we live a little bit. Um, I mean, feel free to lock your doors, but, <laughs> but, but we get the thing. There's a, a man called Craig Grissel. He's a church planter in, um, in, uh, in the States, and he talks about refrigerator rights. Refrigerator rights. So some of you might have heard of this. So like, how many people have permission to go into your fridge and just grab some food out of it? Like, how would you feel? So if I came to Sam's house now and just turned up, He'd know I'm coming and just went, well, I'm here. I'm just going to go and make myself a sandwich. Like, how would he feel? I mean, for Sam, I know he'd be awesome. He's very relaxed and um, he'd be grand with it. But how would you feel if people did that? And, so, and some of you might be thinking, yeah, but I'm quite busy. Or I work away or I've got kids and stuff like that. Hear me right. It's a heart thing, right? So if you can't be there, call someone. It's just about being in people's lives, in people's worlds a little bit and not sort of taking church and, and, and taking it lightly. You know, I, I lived in Paris for six months, a few years ago, when I was doing my languages degree. And uh, I was also studying German, and I was studying Spanish. And so I found this German church, German-speaking church. And I thought, awesome, I could live in Paris, learning my French, and go to a German church and practice my German. And, and I went for a, a, a while, and it was lovely. The people were really nice, but they just weren't my people. And so I didn't really meet up with them much outside of church. And guess what? I just didn't really grow that during that time. It wasn't a brilliant time for me join in church. And I'm looking back and I'm just thinking, like, what an idiot. Why don't I just go to some German-speaking pub? I don't know, something where I could have gotten to know people, like, rather than playing with church. It's just too important not to. And just quickly then, those of us that maybe already meet. You see, there's some of us, like, that we're, we're maybe not meeting every day, but we're not far off it. You know, like if you come to a church service on a Sunday, let's say you're part of the Barbican Church on the Monday. Tuesday night you might have band practice or some, you know, prayer meeting. Sometimes Wednesday you might be at a youth meeting or you might be at academy. Thursdays you've probably got dinner parties. Friday nights you might be going out and just enjoying yourself and with friends. Saturday there's sometimes things going on and then you're back to Sunday again. You know, we're not far off maybe what the, the local, where the, the early church were. 
But here's a question, right? What's your attitude like when you're there? Like, are you encouraging others or are you just present because you feel like you have to be? You know, like dutiful. I mean, dutiful is good, but we want more than that, right? We want to be encouraging people. You see, just to repeat that same verse, it says this. Like it says, they worshipped together regularly at the temple each day, met in small groups in homes for communion, and shared their meals with great joy and thankfulness. Like, I've often wondered that, because we just get this vision of, like, they must have just been so happy with each other. And I'm thinking, I bet they weren't all the time. I mean, like, have you ever thought, I wonder if they had a, ever had a fight over who was cooking that night? <laughs> like, I imagine they did, because they were normal. Or, like, who's running communion? No, it's my turn. No, it's my turn. Or who's getting the bread? Or who's baking the bread? And who's footing the bill for the wine that they're having to get? I don't know. You see, the, the Apostle Peter, who was one of these people that was meeting every day, he said this, he said, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. I'm thinking, well, Peter, why are you telling them that if they were less they needed reminded to not grumble, right? He's not going, they're having a great time, but I'll just remind them in case they ever think about it. He's like, no, no, they're obviously still grumbling. Each, each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. You know, hospitality is a gift. It talks about it in the Bible. We just don't want that gift usually. We want someone else to have it on our behalf. We want the gift of healing. Do you know what I mean? So we can just walk and make everyone happy. Or we want the gift of like prophecy or something. But actually, showing hospitality, it's a gift. And the reason for this, look, is this lot. It says in, in 1 Thessalonians, it says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. And so, as I say, we want to be, we talk a lot in global about being um, radiators and not drains, about building people up. So, I, I, and, and I think we do that, but sometimes when we go to these things that's going on midweek, whether it's like a party or whether it's like something that we feel like we need to go to, like a prayer meeting or something like that, or a leadership coming up on Wednesday, for example, we, you know, leadership training, like it's, it's good to be there just to get encouraged by other people. And sometimes it might not be Dave or Andy or whoever's bringing the word, but it could be a conversation that you have with someone when, when you're having a coffee and you're just at the side there. And it, uh, the, the really, you think, man, I needed that. That was it for today. I needed that. And then the next day, you, you meet again, and it's like, needed that one. And the day afterwards, maybe you have a break. But the day after that, you meet again. It's like, that's good. You know. And just a final thought is, is this. Like, can I just speak to the men and say we're rubbish at this, generally speaking, of meeting up compared to the women? Like, the women meet up so much more than us. Uh, certainly in Acom Church, and I'd be shocked if Sporygate was a little bit different. Maybe wrong. If it was, you know, I'd question the masculinity of your men, Sam. But, um, like, because we're just not great at meeting up as men. And so we, we, need, to, we need to get better. Because we need each other as much as the women need each other. You know, I had a friend who took on some paternity leave. Um, his, his girlfriend did, like, the first X amount of months. And then he just did, like, two or three at the end for financial reasons. And, and she was out doing all sorts of stuff. And she was going, and he became the most unsociable man I've ever met, just for that limited time. Like, I used to text him saying, who's won? And he'd say, the red team, bargain hunt. You know, because he just didn't get anywhere. <laughs> like, when you're watching bargain hunt, you definitely got nothing on. But it makes sense, because he's like, he, he went in and hid in his cave a little bit, because he was just like, just couldn't get out a little bit. And I'm thinking, man, I, I, and I wasn't a great friend. I should have just dragged him out and said, come on, we're going. But we need each other as men. And so um, let's, let's not just leave it to the women to meet all the time. You know, let's, let's make a point ourselves of, of hanging out together, of doing stuff, of, of organizing trips, of going places, because um, it's just important. It's important to encourage one another. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website.